running. Good morning. Test, 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 test. Ho, ho. Now that's a hat. Check out my hat. It's a good hat. This fills the whole frame. Keeps your neck out of the sun. Oh, yes. Summer is here. Summer is there. So how's it going? Cool. Pretty good this week. Good. It's a bit of a show out there. We've had people finish at 3 a.m. Oh. Aaron and I were here till 11 last night. Ben was here late as well. We've got some production issues to resolve, I think. Hmm. But the, the mood's good and we'll get through it. We're just a bit short stuffed this week with someone away and a shit ton of work. We've just got, we had a really slow October, as I mentioned. Yeah. And then the month clicked over and suddenly the website just went off. Oh. And yeah. Just like a switch. Uh, it's like, like the thing we've been talking about. It's like right. just suddenly for no reason. Yeah. The start. <laughs> Coming back to your theory, the start of the month coincided with a beautiful sunny weekend, and I don't know if everyone was just in a good mood, and they're like, weather and paychecks. It's the start of November. <laughs> but yeah, we've had our, I think, probably our strongest start to a first week ever, I reckon. And it's early days, and I don't quite know why. Maybe our vinyl campaign that ran for three weeks in October is just sort of, we're feeling the effect of that. The algorithms have hit their stride. I don't know what I did on Thursday, no, Friday last week. I had a call with Will, our marketing guy, and he was like, Jim, since the middle of the year, he'd been doing some digging about why our conversion rate was so low. Yeah. He was like, so, so since mid-year, people have started searching for shelves within your site. You're a furniture company that specializes in shelves, and then suddenly people are in our search bar looking for shelves. So it's like, kind of like people can't find what they're looking for. I was like, right, <laughs> fixing that now. Like I had the kids in the car with me and I just drove them around until they both fell asleep and then parked and got out my <laughs> laptop and just like started, just went ham on the, the nav and the Quickets. collections and just like... Go ham on that nav. Completely kind of rebuilt the nav structure of our website, renamed all the collections, did like a bunch of little conversion rate optimization things. Oh my and God. it felt so good. It was the best, like, couple of hours. Because coming off last week, too, where I was kind of feeling a bit unproductive and useless, it was just like, no, I'm just going to action this now. Yeah. No meetings, no discussion. This is happening. So early days, I don't want to take credit for that, but I think, you know, whatever's happening online is working at the moment. So Did you sell more shelves? Sure did. Whoa. Sold a lot of shelves. You did your own SEO, internal SEO. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, Despite our production challenges this week, there's a good mood because we're, we've sold a lot and our studio sale last weekend went really well as well. We got cleared out. People came from Melbourne primarily and 10 minutes before it was supposed to open, we had people at the gate and like we just got cleared out in the first couple of hours. Jay and I were doing it and... Seemed busy. Did, yeah, 12 grand in two hours or something. It was good. Dang, man. That's nice. Yeah, cool. mm, yeah. and kind of... Nice to clear all that stuff too, because a lot of it was just dead inventory. It was like it's just like turning not junk, but you know stuff that's taking up room. Just yeah, converting that into cash yep. in a couple of hours like feels good. I feel like there's a lot of ads around America that are like, "Do you have a bunch of junk and you want to turn it into cash?" Turning junk cars into cash. Sell my cars. <laughs> like some radio ad. 
Jim just turned his junk into trash. You can too. You want to do the job? <laughs> That's how we did. That's so amazing. Yeah, Jay did a great job organizing all that and getting the This is how you do the job. Tricky things going on, but nice. good, good vibes. Good so. job. On we go. <laughs> better than going to a market. Oh yeah, so much better. <laughs> Run your I, own market. <laughs> did you just? What was your methods for advertising that? Like social media, I saw, and then email. Yeah, social media. I think one email. We ran a radio ad. On the local radio? Oh, I want to hear that. <laughs> it's, really, it's not as dorky as I'd hoped. I wrote the script for it and sent it off to the local radio station, hoping that they'd produce this really awkward piece of tape. But it was a bit it was a bit slicker than I was anticipating. It was good. I, sh- I should have. Next time I <laughs> Oh, God, that'd be amazing. What did we do? Yeah, we ran that, and we ran an ad in the local paper as well. But I think in the end, anecdotally, most people came in with Instagram. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's cool. Mm-hmm. You should like work it out. Is there like Airbnb uh, bed and breakfast or like a place you could like next time you do it? It's like they come out for the weekend and you work with a winery that's like like making an event. They come out to buy furniture and then <laughs> buy some stay somewhere. What about that? Not with not with sort of a customers as such, but like from uh, pre COVID, I love the idea of running training classes here. For sure. And trying to get people out for sort of CNC fusion training mm-hmm. a weekend, like come for two days, six yep. people or something, just have the workshop to ourselves. I reckon that'd be great fun. Mm-hmm. Don't know if the clear it would work, but it'd be it'd be a good time. Yeah, yeah. If you had to synthesize the changes you did in the navigation, like what do you think in your website? Because, you know, I just kind of make stuff up as I go. Mm. This seems like it might work oh, to navigate. <laughs> what what did it, it was more like categorical before, I feel like, or by use, maybe both. I, hmm. yeah, I, we had some strange terms in there, which when we first built Shopify kind of made sense at the time. Like collections were things like sitting, storing, eating. Yep. Kind of words like that mm-hmm. but there was no there wasn't a shelving category or there wasn't the word shelves or shelving so from a like organic search point of view terrible so i just i just cut all of that and just renamed them to much more simplistic terms like shelves seats you know tables yep, yep. desks things that people understand and things that people are going to be searching for so yeah not i guess to distill it a little bit is just to sort of put what's important front and center yep yep like what are we actually trying to focus on put that at the top of the nav and then clean up some of the old collections that were kind of just creating visual clutter make simple names and keywords for things yeah yeah Yeah. are you getting anything else done we finally jumped into the aluminum job that we've been discussing for weeks and probably months on the router, mm. which I always say aluminum job because it's like my mind still doesn't believe that we have a, a mill that like cuts metal often. <laughs> yeah. We did this whole job for this client in the past to, to recap where it's a high end audio. It's basically if you took your vinyl campaign, but like it's basically out of solid aluminum and one inch apple oh, ply. So it's like super right. heavy duty. First time we did it, I made a video in 2019. Mm-hmm. CNC router aluminum and it's like the best YouTube video we've made a lot of hits daily <laughs> mm. and it was just like a seven minute video I barely knew what I was doing at that time 
or maybe I did. Maybe I knew what I was doing and I've gotten away from that. I don't know. Because it still gets a lot of hits and there's just not a lot of knowledge out there. As you probably know, like everything's just so different with a router to cut that material. You need, they have way higher torque band, you know, on the kind of router spindles than like, yeah. I can cut aluminum at like a few thousand RPMs on the, on the mill, <laughs> but I need to cut like, <laughs> so different. Yeah. You know, like 10,000 or, you know, 15,000 or something. Our recipes turned mm. out to be pretty good from, you know, asking around, but nobody had really made a video on it. So I made a video that time mm. for filming and making a new video on this version. And we used the client's plate 6061, which was super warped the last time. Cause so this is like, I think those parts last time, 50 by 50 inches, half inch thick. And so they were super warped. We'd vacuum them down. Sometimes they'd pop up. So reminiscent of Nick Polonowski's Daytron, <laughs> smash Daytron yes. spindles problem. But luckily we never had that. But this time I knew a little bit more and I suggested to the client, Hey, since, you know, last time you had pretty warped material, what if we use mix six or like, I don't know the other names. There's a bunch of names for, for fixture style aluminum plate. It's like de-stressed. Okay. They face it actually. Oh. On both sides. And then wow. also one of the other concerns was like, you know, we don't want it scratched. Mm. There's like almost no guarantees from vendors on getting you unscratched aluminum surfaces. So this mix six is immediately covered with a pretty heavy like vinyl cover on both sides after they face it. So it's dead flat and actually like beautiful. It's like really well finished for a raw material. It was a little bit more mm. expensive, so but fancy. like they came in yesterday to drop off one of the little threaded isolators that we need to thread mill into the aluminum still and i wanted to make sure it fit yep. and they walk in and i was like you want to see your parts and i pull off the cover and just stopped and goes that's beautiful and i was like <laughs> yeah. but i i like laugh back and go, oh I, I didn't mean to cuss and i was like oh you can cuss at your own parts if you'd like like that's cool so, it's a good reaction but it's gone pretty well ricky never cut aluminum on the router so he's both i think been troubled by the amount of chips everywhere but also enjoys the process of it being unique to what we're doing normally and he's tackled keeping it running we've yeah. done a few different things we're going right. to make a couple of videos out of things we've learned since then and then the thread milling in particular will be a awesome. whole video of itself because i've never seen that before and i want to make a specific video about it how did you go with the thread milling i know you had some offset i some have issues. just tested and we have this weird issue where it's offset in X a little bit. I'm guessing yeah. I did something wrong in the cam because I double checked the machine. We did have a bad call it, which is interesting. And it was, it was a pretty cheap call it. Mm. And so I like, tested the run out on it and it was, it was just like, woo, woo. Like, what is this barrel around I'm on? And so I pulled it out and I was like, oh man, yeah, this call it's toast and we never used it. So it I still don't trip? quite like, know. Is it taking the path? It does also, it's, plywood that i'm testing in like you suggested so Sorry. it twists in but then it can't go deep enough because the threads on the one side are so shallow i think i think but this is why i wanted the part to test it yeah yeah the only time i've ever seen that is on the pencil sharpener but then it's, it's gang tool like it's when something's amiss and it thinks the one tool's not in the spot where it should mm. actually is, but in single spindle, I can't wrap my head around how that can be offset like that. Neither. We need to try just a Confusing. whole new cut of that, but basically just 
making the ID, the idea of the part, what it needs to be, and then using drill with the option of thread milling and the max, the OD or the outside of the thread is the number I'm setting to. And then the pitch is the pitch. And I'm thinking I may have like messed the tool setup potentially. I don't know. I can't figure out what would cause because it's starting mm-hmm. in the center of the hole and working its way out. Simulates fine. Yeah. And then does super the light on one side. Simulate? Yeah, it doesn't simulate like, super well. You mean, it's hard like, to... Does it look fully formed? I don't, I don't know. I should go look at that a little closer. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. it looks symmetrical though, which was so weird. So uh, to me, it's mm-hmm. like the tool is messed up or you're, I think your thought was yesterday that the offset made there was some kind of offset on the machine, but I checked that there was no offsets. It is kind of odd. Mm. Oh, weird. Yeah. Other than that, it's been pretty pretty smooth. It's amazing what like having done it once and knowing more about how to machine metal through the mill taught me so many new things. Of like we're right. using a rougher and a finisher nice. instead of just one tool. Yeah. Um, which what? I I think is also an interesting concept for those of us in the router world. Is that's just not common because maybe you didn't have tool spots or just you weren't shooting mm. for that quality. But since I know this client is very interested in a high quality finish, and it was a good example of how to make a better finish on a, for a video, I was like, let's try it, and it turned out so good, mm. like so, so good. good. I can't actually so can't sense. film it or take photos of it where the crap because it <laughs> won't focus on the surfaces it's so frustrating <laughs> it's, too, it's too shiny <laughs> i was gonna say yeah since john took over the cnc's here he's been running a compression ruffler and then a compression finisher and then he even has a third tool which is like doesn't live in the machine but it's like the the near new compression yeah, finisher. yeah. so like if he's doing something with particularly tight tolerance then the like the near new compressor goes in the machine just cut the slots or whatever which is a cool idea but yeah, yeah just having that rougher because he runs the rougher quite fast like fast aggressive feed rate tool deflection doesn't matter and then yeah. come in and just like clean up those profiles we've got a like a lead time conundrum here i think mm-hmm. part of our production issues this week have been Something we've always struggled with. So regardless of who has been managing production, whether it's me or Aaron or Ben or anyone, yep. we've always really struggled with the classic thing of like quoting a job. It will be five to six weeks. Thank you for your deposit. We'll have your job ready in five to six weeks. Yep. Kind of just doing that blind with no no real sense of what's in our pipeline what else is likely to drop within that same period? And then we have all this work in our system and we're still just kind of like blindly trying to go, oh, yes, well, we said six weeks to this customer, eight weeks to this customer, and those two dates are on the same day. And like, yeah, I mean, I think everyone in small business manufacturing, I imagine, is kind of dealing with some version of this. <laughs> I don't know how to tackle it. And like, Having been production manager in that role, I find it very hard to offer like constructive advice to someone trying to do this as well because it's just like, well, this was always hard, and I never, because I never knew how to do it any better. And like, we can build Gantt charts and like complex views in Airtable and try and sort of 
project and maybe that is the answer down that avenue is like just getting more advanced with our sort of projections but and maybe it just has to become someone's full-time job but I'm quite adverse to that idea as well like I feel like there must be a smarter way than someone just spending all their time thinking about this and sort of planning what's the common way that it it's wrong you underestimate your timeline so they're later than normal or we're often either having to tell a customer look this we need another week Mm -hmm. on this job or we're committing to dates to customers and then going oh shit well, I guess we're staying back tonight. Yeah. And that doesn't happen all that often anymore, but when things compound in the right way, it's like, yeah, it's like we don't have transparency on what's coming. And I don't know how to get that without just doing a lot of planning. And maybe that's the answer. Tran- internal transparency of what's coming, like between production and yes, internal. sales. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I don't know, but I'm not good at this either. Mm. I'm just thinking of how I would attempt to solve it. I think we talked about it one time in the past where like the stupid version of like how I might try to tackle it. Because you have so much more data and like project flow in your Airtable that you can do something trying to like build a view that looks at the past 90 days of projects and like look at the estimated timeline and then the actual timeline and then like... Mm -hmm that would give you something to plus or minus your quoted timelines with or to give the customer that. Like, we're quoting five to six weeks, but technically it's looking like we're a little longer right now. And it's just kind of a, maybe that's what interfaces could do for you since I never know how to use those damn things. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you get a a view that's like time lag. And then on that same idea, could you build, as you're saying, like a tablet or something in your, your space that for production that's like upcoming projects and like how many person hours of work is is needed in the next i don't know like oh are you looking at way too many hours upcoming then as people have scheduled to work i don't know how to yeah describe that it might be too complicated yeah look i think we're kind of on a path towards that as in we have some of that data in air table we can see mm-hmm how many hours were quoted. It's a bit harder with product, to be honest, because we yeah, yeah. currently have production hours assigned to a product-based order. But with any custom order that was quoted, we see a total of quoted hours against that. But it's just very easy to just look at a number and go, oh, that's a big number, mm-hmm. and then just like not kind of put it in context or even things like that scene, that that big CNC routing job, which I've mentioned, which we still haven't started because the client mm. still hasn't had sign off. Oh man! You know that's three to four hundred hours of machine time or something, and it's just kind of sitting in this in our system as like this big scary production number, but we don't know when we're going to start it, so it's very hard to like plan around <laughs> that. And when it finally drops, then we can go okay. Cool. Well, based on what's currently in our system that wasn't in our system two months ago, it's actually going to take longer or, you know, so yeah. And maybe this is why you pay thousands of dollars a month for like crazy ERPs. Maybe ERPs do this. Well, I, I feel like there's just nothing. It's probably not correct, but there's, you know, why we've gone down this Airtable route is that 
it seems like there's not many things built for like the ways we want to do things because it's mm. maybe there's comparables in machine shops, but there's just something odd about, I don't know, I guess there's finishing technically and like machining, you have anodizing or other processes, but like how you build all that in that's like normal wood based production, I don't know, it seems different and like not comparable and like all the standard things are not the same. So maybe that's just a bunch of excuses. I don't know. I never got to that phase uh, of having to deal with, it got messy and, you know, like we were up against like, oh, we need to have more accurate predictions. And I did have some employees that were very concerned about, well, I never know what I'm going to work on this week. You know, <laughs> some are just like, what are we doing right now? And fine with that. Yeah huge amount of effort to constantly plan all those little details of oh we'll have the material the tools and machine time at this point you know ready so then we need to have that job ready and then one right behind it is everything get online like is everything here for it mm. and you just keep playing that game and then somebody goes okay i need this in like a week and you're like oh no i got six weeks booked out but really it's like there could be a couple days in there where you're everything hasn't come and you can fit it in. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and it's so think, hard to know yeah. how that works. Schedule. I think part of the challenge, which is this, a, this is a challenge that sort of rears its head in various areas in our business is the uh, coming back to the fact that we're trying to run two different businesses. Like we've got the custom side, which is on like the five, six week lead time sort of system. <laughs> and then we've got this website, which is just selling stuff some of which has like a two to three day lead time on it. Yep. And so we've got these two competing things. And like a lot of the time it works really well because it's like John loves it when we get lots of web orders because he's like, cool, what can I machine next? Just keep those machines going. It's like boom, 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 boom. But then what might be working quite well for John that doesn't necessarily work well for the rest of production is because like, We've got so much work to do, and then suddenly there's like 20 web orders on the weekend. It's like, oh, yeah, we're drowning. Yeah, it's like they're trying to find that balance between those two systems, I suppose. It's interesting to like listen mm. to other people, you know, the Bob and other things, right? Where everybody's talking about like streamlining their one production or one work thing. process. And we are very similar, I think, in that we have these competing workflows that, mm. I mean, for all aspects, it's like things you need to complete those products or services are sometimes different in terms of equipment or resources or people that can complete them. And it makes you want to, I think we both have talked about this, throw all one side of it away <laughs> and only do the other side. But then you're like, oh, we just had this great week in this other side that we want to throw away. <laughs> And it's keeping us afloat. And uh, there's really no like great answer to that, I think. Especially mm-hmm. if we were in a roaring economy scenario, maybe it would be more smart to just sync one of those things and just go for it. But I always have liked the option to have one be a a savior in, in the case that mm-hmm. one isn't doing well. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to turn, turn something up that has saved your butt numerous times. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you still have like Absolutely. 13 stacks of plywood for this giant job just floating around the shop? Yeah, four or five meters. Hey, 13 to 16.5 feet. <laughs> That's pretty tall. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite to the ceiling, but most of the way to the ceiling. Yeah, look, the client's paying for storage. 
yeah. and ask for storage. And, you know, it's it's expensive for them, but at the same time it doesn't justify the fact that it's taking up our whole steel fabrication corner of the workshop. So, yeah. Here's what it is. We'll just be much more careful next time if there isn't about, you know, ensuring that we get the signed-off file set before any material is delivered. Yeah. I used to have a lot of... It's a little bit before the pandemic, but I would have people want to just, like, before getting a quote, before uh, first email, first inquiry, just be like, hey, I've got this material ready to drop off for this project, so when can I drop it off? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Justin, can I bring you my slab? Yeah. And I'm like, we have... No extra space to keep your material here. And I'm always just writing back like, no, I mean, we need an accepted quote and a deposit paid before we get anything, you know, like I, and that was my way of controlling that workflow. But yeah, all the time, I've got 40 sheets of cup by Friday. When can I drop those off? You can't, you will not be dropping those off. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) We did our very small version of clearing out part of our space was... We had this pallet. We just have a very small, narrow workspace from front to back of the shop, with mm. the forklifts especially. And we we lifted the stack of aluminum for this job to the back. And it felt so good to not have it sitting right by the forklift anymore because it was like this roadblock to just get around. <laughs> and like stuff was like, you know, those situations where that thing not moving collected other things that didn't move. No, yeah. And then it was like, yeah. there's two pallets on that situation like they were stacked improperly really and then like the duck towers had come in and we put that on top of the aluminum stack and then like our casket things that hold all of the <laughs> parts for the knack wall were just like pushed up next to that so it was like anytime we needed to use the forklift it was like six things had to move and now it's just like open it's so good yeah <laughs> yeah those piles of magnetic <laughs> this gyre of junk <laughs> uh, yeah the studio sale forced our hand to do a big tidy up and so it's great it was a great start to the week to come in and just have a very clear workshop I bet to then you know have lots of work to do so. I've I brought this up before but I thought more seriously in wanting the cash I don't know that it'll sell but I think I need to get rid of the material mm. I guess tell me to get rid of <laughs> the material for the knack walls it's this white material. Like, we're not going to get back to that till definitely Q2 next year, right? Like, mm. so why would I sit on five grand of material that's keeping a rack full? Isn't that just pretty stupid at this point? Yeah, well, you'll probably get a better anything. price for it now than you will in a year as well. Yeah. I feel like prices are starting to drop a little bit here. Yeah, I need to throw that on. I've had no interest, which is interesting, for the Apple Ply I've had on Craigslist. I thought that would go pretty quick for its market pricing and all that. So, been interesting. I've had a few things on Craigslist just dead. Cool, man. Yeah. Should we wrap the show up? We didn't say good morning to Don. I feel like we should talk to Don more. Hey, Don. I'm always right by your side. Damn it. Was that too mushy? I take it back. I, I still have the button that, that plays the crash of the YCM. I need to get rid of that. Oh, of course. <laughs> Just to remind you. No, thank you. Crack oh, on. your staff. Are you looking to... You're mentioning staffing. Are you actively hiring or just 
Yeah, vacations we're, we're about to. forced. Mm-hmm. No, we're set. Whoop, Sarah's got the PD all written up and the, the ad's been written. I think we're just all drafted, ready to go. A, P, a parts department written up? I don't, what's a PD? A PD, yeah. <laughs> a position description. Oh, is that like a formal thing or what you call it? That's what they're called. So yeah, we will be hiring. Sweet. My dream is that you hire somebody from the States from this podcast someday. Okay, sure. <laughs> sure. They're like, I want to move over there. And you're like, got a job for you. <laughs> that uh, Nicholas Hacko, I believe he is also an Australian. Yeah. Makes watches, what, has Kearns, fancy, yeah. fancy machines. So I would see him pop mm. up. He is current, they are currently hiring and he's always pitching the, the perks of Australia and their shop. And I find mm. that to be an interesting, like, I enjoy watching his strategy to try and hire those, those positions, like internationally, basically. Mm. Like, are you in the world and want to make watches, you know, with Kearns? Like, come to Australia. It's pretty unique business. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. Um, I can see why they're taking that strategy. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. Would, do you like to make pencils and like, Timber machining, come to Castlemaine. Yeah, Hacko was at that trade show I went to Sydney. Oh. Tool trade show I went to in Sydney, and because um, they do a lot of, uh, they also do custom work. Ah, for like the medical industry and stuff, because they've got like a Sinker EDM and their Kerns and Swiss lathes and all that bizzo. So they make some beautiful little precision parts mm-hmm. for other people, as well as their watch stuff. So they they were there promoting their skills, but yeah, got to touch and feel some of their components. Bloody amazing! So tiny. Cool. Yeah, that always so blows tiny. my mind how ridiculous. I, my first thought is always like, how do you work hold that? Like, what holds that while you machine it? You know, when it's like a gear for a watch, like it just doesn't work it's in my head. It's just hot glue. Right? It's all hot glue. <laughs> it seems it's like. You overcomplicate it, and then they're like, oh, yeah, what's that hot glue gun over there for? <laughs> hmm. Cool, man. Should we wrap up? Yeah. So, sounds good. See you next week. Yeah, take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Have you even checked out the Patreon yet? I really doubt it, Don. They enjoy the show, but don't put their money where their ears are. Life is like a box of podcasts. You just take and take, and then the box is empty. Mother truckers, why aren't they? Don't they want to get the secret show? Tell me they can't skip a bag of Doritos or a Dunkin' Donuts once a month. Support the boys at patreon.com slash parts department. Please don't make Don mad.